is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part one with Crystal and Lloyd, we talk about her career path and early inspirations. She also mentioned some fantastic books to check out at the end of this episode. So I hope you enjoy the part one of my conversation with Crystal and Lloyd. Keep on keeping on. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Crystalline Lloyd. Crystalline, thank you for joining me today. You're so welcome. I'm very excited. You did this like moment of prepping me before the show, and these questions are great. I'm so looking forward to this time. <laughs> You're so kind and so talented. My goodness, opening night, fairy cakes. You were absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend it. We will talk about your journey to joining that show and so much more. But before we do, let's take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Man, I used to imagine that I'd be like this famous movie star. That was kind of where I started because I grew up on Disney movies. And at one point, I remember... Vanessa Chester, who is an African-American actress, she did, I don't know if you know, this movie called Harriet the Spy. Mm -hmm. And she was also in this movie called A Little Princess. And then she was in the, the Jurassic Park franchise. And I had never seen a little black girl in movies like that. So I think that's where it started. And then eventually somehow I ended up in the theater program in high school and it just kind of took off from there. Fantastic. What did, what did, um, what was the deciding defining moment for you to pursue entertainment? I was a senior in high school, so it was a bit late, but I just didn't love anything else the way that I loved being an actor hmm. in the school musicals or in the plays or even in the speech and debate tournaments. And so I, around the beginning of the year, had to make a decision. And I was like, let me do acting. <laughs> I had an older brother who uh, is an actor. And so I was constantly seeing him in the midst of his career. And it just, I was very passionate about it. I played Hamlet at one point, And I really enjoyed like going through Hamlet's arc throughout the play and figuring it out and my, you know, having a great theater teacher really helped in high school. And, but that was, that was the defining time in my senior year when I decided to pursue it. Cause I applied late to Carnegie Mellon and I ended up still getting an audition and, you know, ended up going. So it, it changed, it changed my, my life. Yeah. What was, okay. So then during, when you're graduating, you're getting towards the end of your, your high school career, so to speak, mm -hmm. what was the, it was a, it was a last minute for you. You were like, I'm going to just pick a few universities and Carnegie Mellon was one of them. It was. Yeah. I had my, one of my brother's childhood friends growing up was Matt Bomer, yeah. who is a fantastic actor yeah. and Matt, I, you know, we had a conversation at some point about Carnegie Mellon and my theater teacher was like, I think you should go for it. I said, this school is never going to accept me. I'm, I was from, I'm from a small, you know, community outside of Houston. I never did HSPVA, the performing arts high school. I barely did theater in Houston. I just didn't think I had a chance, but I remember I auditioned for that, uh, Carnegie Mellon. I auditioned for, I think it was Manhattan, uh, Marymount of Manhattan, I think I auditioned for a school in St. Louis called Webster University. 
and maybe Syracuse, but those were it. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I, I love, I love that it, <laughs> that it worked out. Just the most random <laughs> assortment of schools. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what, what did your, uh, what did your growing up, what did your parents teach you about work ethic? Well, my mom is a math teacher and she teaches mostly in high schools. So was and mine. Really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. My parents were nerds. My dad was a salesman. He was a chemical engineer. They're both retired now, but they worked really hard to be moderately middle-class people in an upper-class neighborhood because they both came from, you know, small upbringings. My mom's mom was a beautician. My dad's Mm. mom was, you know, a seamstress. And Mm. so who eventually got her degree in chemical engineer, but they came from humble beginnings. So my mom was a full-time mom and a full-time, you know, employee as a teacher. Mm. That's, that was my first experience of watching feminism just in the household was seeing my mom be a full-time employee and still manage to be a mom. Cause like no one ever is like, how does he manage to be a full-time dad? Like nobody ever says that, you know what I mean? These things are so, true. Yeah. That, that that was my first experience in watching, uh, you know, what it is to be a black woman in the workforce. Mm. Well, how about a similar question, your parents teaching you about kindness? Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was huge about that, especially in the face of, you know, maybe conflict or people you don't get along with. I noticed even mm. in the way he treated the people we lived around our neighbors, even if you know, he didn't necessarily agree with their politics or their personalities. He always was there to mow a lawn if someone couldn't do it or, you know, help put up a fence. So that has been a huge fixture in my life as far as integrity goes. Kindness Mm -hmm. is intertwined with it. And it's about what you do when nobody's looking. Mm -hmm. I love that. These these answers are great. I love it. Um, (laughs) Oh, good. Mentors growing up. Did you have any? And were there, are there any standout lessons? You know, I, I didn't have a lot of mentors growing up. Now I do. Thankfully Mm. I have, you know, girlfriends who are further along in life's journey, um, that I look up to and even mentors in my career as a director, I have those, which has been integral into breaking into whatever this disciplinary has been Mm. because and also having mentors of a different variety you know african-american black white you know asian being able to have the perspective of those varying experiences is so valuable Mm. and i i've always encouraged you know young people who are breaking into the industry to find someone that they can ask the the questions that they think are so dumb the questions that make them nervous but having someone who can help guide you and navigate this Mm. industry is so valuable you bring up a great point and it's almost the the word that comes to mind is you know a doubt if we ever have that you know and certainly have you gotten better at at dealing with and working through self-doubt absolutely i've come more than anything to realize that you have to trust yourself That is a huge part of being an artist. And I don't think I've always had a strong practice of that, you know, and especially growing up in a very conservative Christian community, it's all about humbling yourself, you know, Mm. you know, don't get too big, you know, put God first. And so sometimes you, that translates 
into making yourself small. And that's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It is about more so connecting yourself with something bigger, which in and of itself only increases your value and your worth. So I found that as I've moved into this new part of my career, which is still in a pandemic and probably post pandemic, this, there is just a resounding meditation of trusting myself as an artist and getting up on stage. And you have to be confident in what you're offering. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you lose the ability to tell a story. And that's why we're up there in the first place. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and after you, you know, and thank you for jumping around here with me after graduating, uh, mm -hmm. for some things can come quickly for some, not the case. I'm curious if you can kind of just connect those early days after education entering <laughs> the workforce, oh, what that was, was for you. Horrendous. Oh, <laughs> there it is. I had such a hard time getting a job. I had a hard time getting a job in the industry. you know, I moved from Pittsburgh to LA to everyone's surprise. I think everyone, including myself, thought I was going to live in New York. Mm. And LA just, I had such a better response in my showcase. Mm. And, but when I got there, there just wasn't a place for me at that point. And, you know, I had, you know, decent teachers uh, in Los Angeles and, you know, one particular teacher just was like, your acting's fine. It's, it's the package, you know, who you are, like what you look like initially. And as you just, you know, it, black women have very few doors they could have gotten into back then anyway, um, as far as types and stereotypes and television shows. Mm. So I, I didn't have a great beginning, a great start. It was a bit rocky. I also had a hard time getting just like a part-time job because you know, I was the baby of my family and the only girl. No one wanted me to get a job. They were like, no, you're fragile. Focus on your school. So I got into the workforce and had nothing on my resume. But I ended up working as a lifeguard because of my years of being an athlete and training triathletes. I was able to get a job that, you know, was more catered towards my skills, which was great. Um, but I did quit for a year after uh i think i was in yeah i was i was in la for a year and then i quit acting and just decided to do missionary work in southeast asia so i was in the jungles of borneo and uh uh kuching malaysia for for a while and why how did that come <laughs> up well, you know, I was deeply, deeply entrenched in my religion and Christianity. I was deeply indoctrinated and, you know, I take a lot of good things away from that um, part of my life that I'm not so involved in as much. But one of the things I really felt called to was understanding and having a stronger sense of self. And the fact that I was a Christian, I said, well, what does that look like to go all in? What does that look like to be just as devoted to that as I have been to my acting? And I just spent four years at an institution. So I did enjoy missions and I do enjoy aid work, even though it's a much more complicated subject for me to talk about, you know, just after having time away from it, mm. um, the complexities of aid work, you know, and spiritual colonization. But I... I just wanted to like 
do it fully. And so I did, <laughs> I just I like quit and, and did it. And what was the, what was the decision to, I mean, not that you can't do aid work while being a performer, but what was that decision to go back into, you know, entertainment? What was that? I just missed it. Yeah. I missed it so much. And I thought it was going to be a lot long, a more long-term commitment, mm -hmm. but I just missed singing. I missed interpreting stories. I miss being creative. Um, and I found that within the Christian culture, uh, or the many cultures that exist within the Christian community, there was just not a lot of wiggle room. Mm -hmm. And I found that I just was not as satisfied, um, you know, telling stories in such a box, a restricted box. Cause you know, there's only so much you mm -hmm. can do in the art of the Christian movie making world, which mm -hmm. is like a field in and of its own. But, you know, you see those movies and there's there's not a lot of risk that's taken hmm. for the sake of a more conservative audience. And so I just was really dissatisfied and I didn't feel fulfilled. So going back to Los Angeles and jumping back in felt right. And my agent was great and had told me when I told them I was quitting, they said, well, we'll be here. If you ever decide to come back, we'll be here. I was like, no, I'm not coming back. They're like, okay, Crystalline. <laughs> <laughs> and being being an athlete, I think, is really an interesting parallel because and I do personally believe some of those the the way we train ourselves as a mm -hmm. as an athlete, I think can translate quite nicely into performing or just even persistence and endurance <laughs> with audition. It absolutely does. Anything it comes absolutely to mind? does. Yeah. Yes. I mean, just having, you know, con continued, um, <laughs> continued with the athletic, uh, uh, persona that I, you know, adopted at a young age. I, I find that it is actually integral to self-care mm -hmm. for me to continue, um, working the body like that and challenging myself because in the same way that you, when you start challenging yourself in real life, your art starts to, you know, evolve. It's the same way with the body and mm. pushing yourself to get out the door, to get a workout. in. you know, sometimes you're in the middle of it and you're like, Oh my God, I cannot believe I made it this far, right, right. <laughs> but it's also been so helpful as far as, uh, becoming a better performer. My stamina is up. I can hold phrases longer, you know, core is stronger. It's, it's been very valuable. Mm. Yeah, it affects physically and mentally, and I think it's mm -hmm. it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Do you have any mantras that you repeat to yourself frequently or text? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, the the one that's been in my head the most has just been trust yourself. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Yeah. Trust yourself. Well, you know, and uh, God has evolved for me in such a way that's been really beautiful. And you know, right now it's God is a she. She's a black woman and I feel so taken care of by this black woman. <laughs> I, I just, sometimes when I get very anxious about wanting things to hurry up or, you know, wanting, wanting to make something happen, I find myself going, calm down. God knows something you don't trust her. Mm. So those are the two that have been ringing the loudest. When, when Dear Evan Hansen came along, was that a moment of calm and relaxed leaning into the path? Oh, wow. You know, that was, if I'm, if, if I'm being honest, please, it, it was actually a really tough decision to make because, mm -hmm. 
you know, I was at a point in my career where as much as I wanted a musical like that, I'm, I'm also like vain and I wanted my own show. <laughs> so there was a part of me that was like, I'm working towards something very specific. Sure. And, you know, Dear Evan Hansen, I, after our off-Broadway run, I knew I could tell was going to be a hit. And it was more of a question, you know, as an overthinker that, that I am as a Capricorn, um, is just, is this going to fulfill me throughout the process? And I mean, if you've seen the show, so, you know, I've had people say, oh, I didn't even know you were in that show. People like in the Broadway community. And it was mm -hmm. more so because I was recognizing that I was a token and I was being asked to uh, fit into a very specific role mm -hmm. and a very specific model that had already been created that I wasn't going to have a lot of input on. Mm -hmm. So for me, you know, it became an artistic choice of how fulfilling and rewarding is this going to be? And, you know, is it worth the kind of balance and sacrifice we make in our careers? And it was just a, one of those decisions. And I think I made the right one. Mm. It was, it was right for me at that time. And I'm so glad I did it. I got to experience things that, you know, veteran actors have told me on Broadway, you, some people never get to experience in their career. Mm. Um, so it wasn't the easiest decision in the beginning, but that's because I'm like, you know, a Renaissance woman probably at heart who's just like, I must, you know, live in the art. And, um, you know, sometimes musicals don't always allow you to do that, but sometimes, in the yeah. end, it, sometimes they don't, you know? So, but in the end it was, it was, it was the right choice. Yeah. You, you said you knew it was going to be a hit. Is there any yeah. particular moment or something that happened or was it a, just a buzz what, that... I think it was, I think it was just the buzz, the okay. buzz of it all. You know, if I, if I, I remember when I was in my friend's living room and I was like, oh yeah, I'm auditioning for this, this musical. And she was like, what is it? And she had a couple of friends over hmm. and, uh, I was like, dear Evan Hansen. And they, the two friends just looked at me and I, oh, I didn't say this. The two friends were, uh, Laura Dreyfus <laughs> and I think Ben Platt was there as well. <laughs> And I just didn't know anything about the show. Like, oh, okay. And they just looked at me and Laura, Laura was like, oh, you're going in for that show. I was like, yeah, do you know it? She's like, yeah, I'm in it. I was like, oh, great. And she just looks at me and she goes, oh, you're going to get it. I can already tell you're yeah. going to be, that's going to be you. And I was like, cool. I, I had like, once again, I had no concept of what the show was, but the buzz yeah. was so hot and my agents were really pushing it. Mm. So, and then once I heard the music, I mean, Benjamin Justin wrote such a beautiful score. I was, I was like, oh, I think this will, this will definitely be a hit. Yeah. Is there a particular role that has taught you a significant amount about yourself? Mm. Oh, that's a great question. I, so many have had such an impact. Uh, it's so funny because you don't necessarily remember the roles that were like the most beautiful, like when I finished playing T Moon and Once on This Island, which was directed by Billy Porter, starring Leslie Odom Jr. and Lettucey, like how crazy is that? Yeah. I went home and like wept, but it it didn't teach me the most about myself. Mm. I'd say some of the hardest roles have been the ones where the process has been the toughest. Yeah. Where maybe you don't always have a, you know, a, a cohesive creative team or there's, you know, friction in other areas. I find that those are the ones, especially new works, which I tend to do quite a bit of, 
those are the ones that have taught me the most about myself uh, as an artist. And I, I'm, I'm really excited about this recent role as director. Mm. That is teaching me a lot about myself as an artist. What was that moment? I, you know, I'm all about the specificity on the particular moment for you to decide and know that you want to direct. I was sitting with one of my mentors, uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson. And I was asking, you know, we were just talking about, I can't remember what we were talking about, but he just looks at me and cause I was, I was like expounding on something and he just goes, you want to be a director, don't you? Yeah. I was like, I do. I do. I want to be a director. I, I love the role in which, you know, you guys play in the room. It, it, it's something that excites me. The idea of creating and curating a space for artists to find and mine gold out of a script. So it was probably we sat down to lunch at Williamstown and that was the defining moment when I was like, I'm going to pursue this. And since then, I've had wonderful people in the business who are, are such champions for that pursuit. And it's worked out very lovely. Mm. Well, I know, you know, particularly with directing, it's all about communicating <laughs> to, yes. to other performers and through yes. other performers. How have you and not always not always performers. You're also having to communicate well with other creatives. Yes. Yeah. Light set. It's a management. Costume. You're it's a management role. It, yeah. Yeah. How have you how have you gotten better at communicating? Definitely. Um, most of the time I've I've. I've gotten very good at recognizing when I'm being put on the spot, being asked something that's difficult to communicate. So I've gotten a lot better at, you know, articulating, hey, just so you know, this is a first draft. Excuse me if it's rough. I'm going to say what's I'm processing out loud. I'm really good at making sure people know that when I'm when my response is nuanced and when I need help, when I need mm -hmm when I need you to kind of roll with me, that has been the most helpful because it gives people the opportunity to know that it's a conversation mm -hmm. and that no ultimatums need to be made in the moment. Mm -hmm. I've also found that I'm better at time management. You must be so good at that as a director. And, um, you know, bringing the right people around you really help. But I would say that I've definitely just gotten better at making sure people feel at ease and that we're about to have a conversation, you know? You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.